You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. So this morning, um, we are going to talk about fasting. Uh, but one of the things that I want you to know is that there is a reward. Whoops, what's going on? Oh, let's go backwards. Okay, there's a reward of fasting. And we want to know what that reward might be, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, but all of us know, as was, was mentioned, where'd it go? Okay, that the, the hot light... It's playing tricks on me. Try again. Okay. Okay, well... Well, you see it. You know it's there. Okay. So, <clears throat> so we've been telling you that we're not having the hot lunch because of concerns about the coronavirus. And that made really good sense. Um, but I'm here to finally tell you the real reason why we stopped lunch. We want you to fast. <laughs> really, the real reason is we want you to experience what it means to not have to eat so you can focus on the Lord. We want you to be able to know what it's like to be able to hunger and thirst for God, and as we pray, to taste and see the Lord is good. And so when people go out there afterwards and go, well, you know, we, we, we're not having lunch because of coronavirus, you will know the real reason. You know, and it's interesting, because um, after church the last two weeks, I've had meetings. And usually when I have the meetings, I have to kick people out of the library, or people keep coming in and out, and we have to say sorry, and you know, we're using the room. And it's very noisy, we have to close the door so we can have our meeting. But the last two weeks, by 12.45, the church is like a ghost town. It is just absolutely silent. There's no noise. And I was thinking, you know why that is? It's because people are not fasting. They're hungry. And so they leave here to go and get something to eat. They leave here to go and get something to feed their flesh. I want you to think about it. How many times and how many ways do you feed your flesh? And how much effort and time do you put into it? So, so we have breakfast, and we have lunch, and we have dinner. I want you to think, how much time do you put into that? Now, breakfast is, I would say for me, it's about, at most, 30 minutes. Okay, so, so 30 minutes there, and it's very easy. I usually just eat oatmeal, so it doesn't take much time to prepare. But like lunch, okay, lunch I probably give at least an hour. Okay, so I might have lunch with somebody, go out and eat, or I have to prepare a little sandwich, or make something, and then enjoy it and eat. So about 60 minutes. And dinner, about the same. Okay, about 60 minutes. So there we already have two and a half hours, if you're like me, that we give to eating. And that would include like if you're driving somewhere, you have to go somewhere. But, but a lot of times we spend even more time than that. Like moms and dads, they go shopping. So that's the time too. That's preparing to feed our flesh. And when you go to a restaurant, you wait in the lobby or you wait, you eat, you have to drive, you have to drive home. That's more time that we spent just because we're pursuing feeding our flesh. So this is the question I want to propose. How much time do we spend feeding our soul? 
how much time do you spend feeding ourselves? What would it be if you spent two and a half hours a day or as much time as you spend feeding your flesh and feeding our soul? And so Jesus has been talking about three ways to feed our soul. Our church theme this year is maturity in Christ, to grow mature. Jesus is talking about a growing, mature relationship with him in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about it in the Lord's Prayer, and he's talking about it in the way that we give. So we have just looked at, in the past couple of months, the scriptures that have taught us about what Jesus says is the way that we feed our soul. So what we might look at, as we're going to look at these coming verses, is that God is giving to us three meals that work every day. And if we were to practice these every day, our soul would be fed. And that is giving. Giving, and that is doing good to others. And so when we studied uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, actually it was um, Brother Neil who brought that message to us a, a couple months ago. But he taught us about what it meant to see in these scriptures certain commonalities. And we're going to see those commonalities, but I just wanted to review them because they're the same for giving and they're the same for intimacy with God in prayer as it is with personal discipline and fasting. So I'll read and you can follow. So in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus says, Be careful. Do not do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And so the first meal of the day is if we spend the time giving to people and giving and serving and doing good to others, that will feed our soul. The second one is prayer and intimacy with God. Would you read these verses with me? Let's begin. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And so Jesus has been teaching us about going into prayer with the Father in secret so that it is a one-on-one -on -one relationship and that we are having intimacy with God. So again, this we might think of as like a lunch to us, spending time with God, something we would do every day, something that would feed our souls, something that would help to make us mature. And so having looked at that, we'll see after Jesus talked about prayer here, he went and gave the disciples the Lord's Prayer, which we've been looking at the last few weeks. But now we come to our passage for today. And this we find in the discipline of fasting. Right? Let's read this together. 
When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so what we've seen here as we've read and have heard these scriptures is that all three of these disciplines of giving and of intimacy and of fasting are related to each other. And so we see this if we just look quickly at these three uh, lessons that Jesus gives us is that when you give, don't be like a hypocrite. And the hypocrites that give publicly to just be seen by others, they have, that's, a, that's it, that's their reward. But instead, we are to give in secret. And when we do, our Father will reward us. We see the same thing for prayer, and now we see the same thing for fasting. Is that God wants us not to do things hypocritically, he wants us to do things genuinely and to do that in secret and to spend time with him. And he wants us to know that there is a reward. There is a reward if we do these things. I want you to know that you will be rewarded if you fast. Now, how many of you have ever fasted for one day, even one day? A few hand, only a few, a few hands, Okay. Um, how many of you have never fasted? Okay, there's more hands than that. Okay, thank you for your honesty. Um, but I want to tell you, how many of you, um, if you slept last night, stand up. If you slept last night, stand up. Okay. Okay, now, sit down. If, no, not yet. Sit down if you ate breakfast this morning. Okay, the rest of you are still fasting, <laughs> right? Because you haven't eaten a meal since last night, and now you may be seated. Thank you. And those who already, everybody stood up because everybody slept, and the first group of people did fast because they broke the fast with breakfast. And those of you right now who are here who haven't yet eaten breakfast, are still in your fast. And you can continue it at lunchtime. <laughs> if you're really inspired by this message. Because God has a reward for us. He has a reward. And this is it. Okay? The prime reward is an authentic relationship with your Father. We see that in the scriptures we just read, verses 16 through 18. Because the opposite of hypocrisy is authenticity. And God wants us to be authentic in all three manners of discipline. When we give, don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, don't be hypocritical. And when you fast, don't be like those who show off. What was happening was the market days for the Jewish, the Jews at that time was Monday and Thursday. And so Pharisees would make it a point on, guess what days? They fasted twice a week, 
Mondays, Thursdays. And they would go stand on the street corners, and they would let their faces look really withdrawn. They would look down. They would look like pitiful people. And they were trying to bring attention to themselves. And somebody would walk by and go, oh, look at the holy man. He's fasting. He's so special. He's so to be looked up to. Wow, they're really amazing. And Jesus says, no, they're not amazing. They're fakes. They're hypocrites. They're not real. And God wants us to be real. And he wants us to have an authentic, real relationship with him. We notice that in each one of the lessons of giving intimacy with God or prayer and fasting, that Jesus refers to the Father six times, two times in each of the lessons. And so this, again, we see as part of our scriptures. It's, it's right in there. It's, it's built in. This is the reward. The reward is that you are spending time and you are pleasing your Father. And so you are having an authentic relationship with your Father. And He loves us. And He wants us to spend time with Him alone. When my children were little, um, Carol encouraged me to spend time with them alone. And so one of the ways that I did that was I would take advantage of the, the classes here that the community centers in Thousand Oaks would give. And they would have what were called like daddy and me classes. Or actually they were called mommy and me classes or parent and me classes. So I began going to these daddy and me classes with each of our children. And I began to really enjoy that time together. And so it became a habit. And we would, we would have one daddy and me time about once a week, but maybe every once or every other week, depending on my schedule. And then we just go. Like first it would be Gabriel, and then it would be Angela, and then it would be Nathaniel, and then Gabriel, Angela, Nathaniel. And then we would just keep doing that. And the kids would look forward to it, and I would look forward to it. And my favorite daddy and me time was um, a time when Gabriel, my oldest, um, he wanted donuts for daddy and me time. And so what we did is we had a, a daddy and me donut dinner. And so, so I always remember this. We went out for dinner at a donut shop. Okay? And so we had donuts. I don't always remember this because he got one of those powdered white donuts and he ate it and it was like the powder was over on his nose like a mustache. And I just remember, he's a little boy, and he, I just remember the way he said, he goes, Daddy, this is good. This is good. And so then we finished our donuts, and I said, you know, are you, are you still hungry? And he goes, yes. And I said, you know what? Why don't we go and get some ice cream? He said, yes. Okay, so, so for the donuts then was an appetizer, right? And the ice cream became the main course, and we finished the ice cream, you're still hungry. Yes. So how about we go get some french fries? And so we had french fries for dessert. And it was awesome. But it wasn't the food. It wasn't the craziness of it. It was the time that we spent alone together. And this is what God wants us to do in our meals with him. Of giving. And of prayer. And of fasting. We get to enjoy this alone time with God. 
And he, so he tells us, when you give, do it so nobody else sees. When you pray, do it so nobody else is there. When you fast, do it so we can have our attention one-on-one. Now, saying that, that is true because we just started, we just saw it. But there's also scriptures that teach us that it's not wrong in other ways to give openly or to pray openly. In fact, in regards to giving, Jesus actually uses an example of somebody who gave publicly to show how we ought to give. And so we find this in Mark chapter 12. And it's the story of a poor woman. And all she had was two little copper coins. But when we look down at verse 43, we see Jesus says, when she gave those two little coins publicly, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So we see that public giving is not wrong. We also see that public praying is not wrong. And in fact, once again, Jesus showed us how to pray by using an example of people praying in public. But this one was an example showing how we ought to pray and how we ought not to pray. And so we find this in Luke chapter 18, verses 11 through 14. There was a tax collector, and there was another man who felt really guilty over his sins. And the tax collector, the Bible says, he stood up and he says, God, I thank you. This was his prayer. I thank you that I'm not like these other men, robbers and evil deers or, and evildoers and adulterers or even like that tax collector. And that was the man, the other man. But then we read after that, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus uses an example of a man who played publicly to also show us how to pray. In fact, even the Lord's prayer itself, as we studied the last three weeks, is a study of how we ought to pray publicly, because Jesus says many times, and even in this prayer, to pray this way, our Father, our. If we were praying privately, we would just say, my Father. But Jesus is teaching us even in that, give us our daily bread, not just give me my daily bread. And so praying publicly is not wrong. So then how do we put the two together? I think it's this way, that until we learn to give privately, until we learn to pray secretly, until we learn to fast so that we are just alone with God, then doing anything else publicly in those same ways won't have its strength, won't have its depth, and we won't experience the fullness of all that it can be, but God wants us to. And so if we only pray publicly, If we only give publicly, but we do it with a humble heart, that's good. But if we can do it without people seeing, it's better. And it gives us the strength when we do it. And so God wants us to do 
these things. It's not if you pray. It's not if you give. But it's when you do these things. Certainly we see this with the fasting in verse 16. It's not if you fast. And it's not a command to fast. It is simply saying when you fast. When you fast. Jesus is expecting us to fast. And so, so what is fasting? There's a good definition of fasting. Fasting is the practice of denying one's flesh of its earthly desires to devotedly seek the Lord. The practice is found throughout Scripture and generally is practiced by complete abstinence of food for a determined amount of time, but for spiritual purposes. For spiritual purposes. God wants us to grow closer to Him. It's a sacred action when we fast. So that's the what, but what about the why? Why should we fast? Jesus says this, and this is really important, because we'll see, as we're going to see some examples of fasting, that all of them are related to this verse in regards to its meaning. But Jesus says, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. And Jesus is referring to himself as the bridegroom. And what he's saying in this passage is that he has disciples. He has followers. And these are the ones that people are saying, how come you don't fast? But Jesus is saying, while my disciples, while my followers are with me, the bridegroom, they don't fast. Because this is a time of fellowship. This is a time of joy. This is a time of growing. This is a time of enjoying our one another relationship. But there will be a time. When the bridegroom is taken away from them, is crucified, is buried, and dies, and then they will fast. And so what we see here, and this is the principle of fasting, is that all the fasts we see in the Bible, in some way or another, are related to mourning. They're related to mourning. There is something about the reality of our lives when it hurts that God says, there is a may that I want you to come and bring that hurt to me. And you do it through fasting. And that's what we see here in how we are to fast. How is more than just the abstinence of food. How is the attitude of our hearts. In the Old Testament, Joel says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. And so fasting is a means by which we draw near to God in times that are difficult. We're going to see examples of that in just a bit. So that's how we fast. Now, for the Jews, there was a time when they were specifically supposed to fast. And though we see many examples of fasting in the Bible, there's only one command in the Bible to fast. And it's only for one day. And so for the Jews, when they were to fast, we see in Leviticus chapter 23, and verses 26 through 28, where it says, The Lord said to Moses, The tenth day of this month is the day of atonement. 
Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Do no work on that day because it is the day of atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. This was the most holy of days for the Jews. This was the most somber of days for the Jews. And the words deny yourselves are words that are referring to fasting. And so this is the only command in the Bible to fast. And it's only for one day. But it's about mourning. And it's about sorrow. And it's about brokenness. Because it's about sin. Because on the Day of Atonement, and and you can read about this in Leviticus chapter 16, where it talks about what the priests and what the people are supposed to do. And they're going to sacrifice different types of animals that day. And the blood is going to be used as part of the atoning activities that the priests would have to perform. And it culminated in the priests coming and bringing two goats to the temple. And then he would throw lots, and one of the goats would become the sacrificial goat, and one is going to be let go in just a little bit. But he takes the sacrificial goat, and he takes it into the place, and he kills it, and he takes his blood, and he brings the blood into the most holy place, and he spreads it over the ark, and God uses that as a means of accepting the action of the priest, of the high priest, for the people, of the shedding of blood, for the forgiveness of sins. And this is the reconciliation that atonement means. That atonement means reconciliation. And it means to be clean, and to be cleansed, and to be forgiven because of our sin. And then, the priest, after he performs all those activities, he goes outside of the Holy of Holies, outside of the holy place, and he goes and he puts his hand on the other goat. And over it, he claims and names all the sins of the people that have been prayed for to be forgiven. And then that goat is taken out to the desert and given to another man. And that man is to let the goat go free and to go away. And that's where we do get the word scapegoat. Because he, the goat, this one, was taking upon the sins of the people. He was taking upon the sins. And so there's a picture here of the blood of atonement over the sins of the people. And what that means is that their sins have been taken away from them. The goat that ran away. But that that goat bore the sins of them. That they are forgiven because of something else. Not of themselves. But of God. And of blood. And of sacrifice. And so we see that fasting is related to this atoning. To this mourning. To this sorrow. Over our sins. And over our brokenness. Fasting is to be a response to life. It is not, as most people think, a way to get what we want from God. It's not to be instrumental in that way. Not even for spiritual growth. What it is, is to be responsive to God 
so that we grow nearer to Him. The, the byproduct of it will be growth spiritually. The byproduct of it will be spiritual health and maturity. The byproduct of it will be a closer relationship with God, which we saw was the prime reward of fasting and of giving and of prayer. That God wants us to respond when we're going through difficulties. He wants us to respond when we face things. And so this is what we're going to see now in Scripture. We're going to see what real fasting is and what it meant to some people who fasted. And there's many other examples, but I have five here for us today. But I want us to know that we're coming up close to Lent, and, and maybe some of you have done this, and you've, you've fasted for the 40 days um, prior to, to Easter. And um, so you've, you've abstained from certain things. Now, abstinence is not the same thing as fasting. Because what we see is fasting is to be without food for a designated amount of time, completely without food. So, so when you come up to Lent, um, you know, you think, you know, what am I going to give up? You know what the number one thing people give up for, for Lent? What is it? Guess. Sweets. It's chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate is the number one thing people want to give up for. But, but giving up chocolate, giving up sweets, that's not fasting. So, well, you know, people, they get there, oh, I'm going to give up TV, or I'm going to try to give up, you know, this one would be hard, but try to give up social media. Um, maybe I'll give up movies or something else. But, but that's not fasting. That's abstinence. So what is fasting? As we said, fasting is related to times of difficulty. It's related to times when we are facing pain and loss and sorrow. And we see this in the life of David. Now, David had committed the sin with Bathsheba, which is famous, right? And so he had union with Bathsheba, and she got pregnant. And, and she had a child. And the child was sick and looked to be dying. And so this is what we read in 2 Samuel chapter 12. David pleaded with God for that child. He fasted, and he went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. He wanted to keep that child. He wanted that child to stay alive as any parent would. He wanted that child to live, and so he fasted. And he must have been pained just remembering his sins, though he had confessed them. He must have been pained remembering what he had done in the murder of the Bathsheba's husband. He must have been pained in realizing all that he had done to disappoint God. And so he was fasting even in the midst of all that for the life of his child. And you say, well, where's the reward? Because God promises reward. Well, what was the reward in this time? Well, David was rewarded with the acceptance of the will of God. David was rewarded by being able to accept what God decided to give him. And we see this in verse 20 of 2 Samuel 12, where it says, And David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went into his house. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went into his own house and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. And this is a time that now David had accepted the will of God. And he got up, and he worshipped God, and he ate, and he ended his fast. 
There's a reward even in times of pain. There's a reward by drawing closer to God. Other example of what we see in the scriptures is that people fasted when they were threatened and faced with harm or death. We see this particularly in the book of Esther. And so Esther um, was the queen, and, and she had access to the king only if the king called her. If she went in to be with the king, even though that was her husband, without being called, he still had the right to kill her. And so what had happened was there was a man, there was an enemy of the Jewish people, and his name was Haman. And Haman had gone to the king, and Haman had tricked the king into signing an edict and sealing an edict that would mean the death of all the Jews of the land. And Esther had a cousin, and his name was Mordecai. And Mordecai found out about the plot that Haman had done to kill all the Jews. And Mordecai is a Jew. And Queen Esther is a Jew. And there's thousands and thousands of Jews in this province. And so, so the, the fear now is that all these people are going to be extinguished. And there had been a certain day designated for the, the extinguishing of all of the Jews. And that day had been set, and it couldn't be changed because of the laws of the land. And so in many months, these Jews would all be exterminated. But Mordecai found out. And so he went to Esther, and he said, Queen Esther, you have to go to the king. You have to go to the king, and you have to plead for us. You have to find a way to help to save our people. So you must go. And at first, maybe she hesitated a bit, but then she decided, yes, I'm going to go. Mordecai said, you know, if, if you don't do this, you too will die. And so she, she told Mordecai to go and tell the people to fast. And then, then we read, she, and that's what she read. She said, I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. And so she went, even though there was a threat of death or harm. And then she got the reward. Because we read on in the book of Esther, and we see that the Jews indeed were delivered. And they were delivered, and they were able to even have an amazing celebration of two days, which is celebrated even today with Jews all around the world. What's interesting is that the day that the Jews were supposed to be exterminated was chosen to be the, the, the 13th day of the one of the months in the Hebrew or in that day's calendar. But they were delivered on that day. And so what happened was Mordecai actually took the place of Haman. Haman was killed and Mordecai became the, one of the leaders in the king's court. And Mordecai now was able to, to create and to send out laws. So one of the things that he said was that Mordecai told the people, this is what you are to do. He told them to celebrate these days with feasting and gladness by giving gifts of food to each other and presents to the poor. This would commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies, when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. And so God rewarded them with deliverance. God rewarded the Jews with celebration. 
And the celebration was the same, was the two days after the day they were supposed to be exterminated. So the 14th and 15th of that month. They were able to celebrate in all of these ways. In God's timing, he brought about a deliverance for the Jews. It's an example to us. Now these are examples that happened to people in the Bible. What we can see is that we should fast under similar circumstances. But I can't guarantee that we're going to get the exact same answers. God will answer us differently. But he will reward us. And as we've seen the reward of David, as we've seen the reward of the Jews through Esther, we might have similar rewards. But God will reward us. Another time that God calls us into fasting is when we are convicted of sin in our lives. And when we feel the sadness of sin and we feel the things that we've done wrong, or if you're not yet a believer the first time that you feel the reality that I need to be forgiven, I have done things wrong and there is a God and He is just and He is holy and He will bring about judgment upon me. And that brings about a desire, hopefully, to change and to find that forgiveness. And so God sends out his prophets to people so that they can know that they can be forgiven, but they first have to know that they have sinned. And so so God sent a prophet. And we see this throughout the Old Testament, but the one that's very famous is the prophet Jonah. We know Jonah wasn't really thrilled about going to the people of Nineveh, and he got swallowed by a whale. He got barfed up by a whale. Um, But then he obeyed. And he went to the people, and he preached. And so we read there, In Jonah chapter 3, when the people of Nineveh heard Jonah's preaching, they were so convicted that they believed in God and called a great fast. By the decree of the king, they would not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. So what happened was Jonah preached and preached about sin, and they were convicted. And the king had said, you know, we've got to fix this. Our city needs to repent. We need to turn towards this God because we are guilty. And so he calls for a fast for every person. But what's really interesting is he also said, don't feed, don't feed your dog. Don't feed your cat. Don't feed your hamsters. Don't feed your cattle. Don't feed your herd. Don't let them even taste the thing. They were serious about fasting because they felt the sickness of sin. Have you ever been so sick that you just didn't feel like eating? Have you ever been that sick? And that's what God would have us to feel over our sin. And then God would allow us to, to have that sickness to lead us to fasting. Just like in the same way our bodies at times don't want to eat when we're sick. Our spirits don't want to eat when we're sick. Have you ever been really, really sad? We could have talked about that in mourning. That you're just so sad, some tragedy happens, and literally you don't feel hunger, and you fast. Your body naturally fasts in response to the reality of the sorrow that you're facing. That's what happened here with Jonah and the Ninevites. They fasted because they were sick with sin, but God rewarded them. And he rewarded them with his compassion and with his forgiveness. And so we see this in verse 10 of Jonah 3. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion. It did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. And so God brought about his compassion and he brought healing to them. We also see 
that there are times when we will fast because we really, really want to know what God wants us to do. We really, really want to understand the scriptures and we don't. There's times where we need special revelation from God. We need him to reveal the truth that is within his word, the truth that is happening to our lives. And so we see this in Daniel, where Daniel had received from God the ability to, to be aware of God's presence. And so we see this, that God allowed Daniel to know some scriptures. And in that scriptures, Daniel had enough understanding to know that there was going to be 70 years where Jerusalem was going to face desolation, but he didn't understand how it would happen. He didn't understand the full meaning of it. And so we see that Daniel is yearning for a special understanding of God's word. He wants God to explain to him the scriptures because he didn't understand it. And so in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, it says, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. He loved the word of God so much that when he didn't understand it, he fasted. Now that, what that might look like to us is that we decide that instead of, of eating lunch, I'm just going to continue to study the word of God and pray that God would help me to understand. I think maybe sometimes our students fast, right? Right before finals. You've got to study so much, and you just get so engrossed in it because you've got to pass, because mom and dad are expecting you to get an A, and you will. And so God says, you know what? That's an example. That you want to learn something. You want to do something that you know that you need more time to do, and so you don't even eat. You fast. But Daniel did it in such a way that he fasted so that he would understand the word of God so he didn't eat. And then in verse 22 of Daniel 9, we see that he was rewarded with understanding. He was rewarded with understanding. Daniel, and this is an angel, an angel spoke to him and said, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. See, he already had some understanding. We saw that in the verses that we read above. He had some understanding of God's words, but he didn't have a deeper understanding of the word, and that's what he wanted. And so the angel says, as soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. And so Daniel had denied himself so that he might understand better what was given to him from God. God wants us to reveal why wants us to know that he will reveal more of himself to us. And there are times in our lives where we're really struggling to know what we're supposed to do or we're going through a really deep problem and we really want God to show up and to reveal to us his wisdom that we would fast. And the last one here is we see in Scripture, and I, I think this one is just obviously so important because it's all about Jesus, that Jesus fasted. And, and why did Jesus fast? Because he was seeking God wholeheartedly. We see this in Matthew chapter 4. So Jesus has been baptized. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's excited and he's full. And then the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert. And it says, And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus fasted. He was led by God by the Spirit, into the desert, 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't eat. 
It was a miraculous fast because he also didn't drink. That God gave him something special in that time. And I, you think about it, like, what could Jesus need? What could Jesus need? I mean, like, wasn't Jesus God? And, and why would he have to fast? What possible reason could there be for Jesus to fast? Like, why? But we have to remember that he came as God in the flesh. And he came to experience what you and I experienced. So that when we see his life, we could understand through him and through the example of him what to expect when we follow his example because we are to be like him. What was it? We'll see it. We're going to see it when Jesus comes out of the desert. We can see something very strong in him that I think was what he received because he already had so much. He had so much of everything that you and I would imagine God to have, but there was something else that apparently he needed before his ministry. And it was resolve, I believe. He, he, he received a deeper resolve to fight against the devil, even in a weakened flesh. He had greater clarity of God's word. He had greater discernment over the tricks and the lies of Satan. He had command over Satan. And we see this in verse 10. Jesus said in the last temptation, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I believe Jesus grew in resolve. He grew in understanding. We even see in, Matt, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, that Jesus had to learn. Jesus had to learn. The Bible says there that although, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And so even Jesus had to learn, and he learned through obedience. And I believe that was part of his testing in the desert. That was obedience. He was led to the desert. He obeyed. He followed. He went to the desert. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. But when he came out, he had learned, even from this suffering, and he become even more for what we might say he was made perfect. And he learned in this something that's related to our eternal salvation as we obey him. And I believe that this is what we receive too. When we are just engrossed with the desire to know God. To know him and to draw nearer to him. And to have a whole heart for him. And to seek him with all of our being. Then we will fast. We will be like those who seek God because of their need for him. And so I encourage you, I invite you to think, because it's not a command, but it is an expectation that God and Jesus want us to fast. And maybe if you've never fasted for spiritual reasons, what I would encourage is that you just start simple. Start with one, Maybe just start with one meal. So, so since you've already fasted, you use your breakfast time, but make sure you use it to spend more time with God. But better yet, this is the one I, I would really encourage, fast just two meals. Because you began your fast with a meal, nighttime meal, and then you'll end it with the next nighttime meal. And so you can go through the day, and it's hard, but you go, you know, I do get to eat dinner tonight. But you fast at lunchtime. And you give that time to God 
and you give that time to, to pray, to hear his word, to read his word, to draw near to him. God wants us to fast. He invites us to fast. And the reason is this, that he wants to reward us with a deeper, authentic relationship with him, our Father. He wants us to draw nearer to our Father. And fasting is that invitation. Let us pray.